Learn why entrepreneurs, hairstylists, pastors, military commandos, executives, professional athletes, and coaches trust over a decade of experience to find a clearer vision and purpose for life, career, and organization. Go to emmasgood.com forward slash R7 and apply today. Finally, get the clarity to level up your career, relationships, and confidence with R7. Hey, everybody. It is that time again. So whether you are running on the treadmill, you're driving in your car, you're trying to escape from something crazy that's going on, and you need just a few minutes to you know get your bearings, this is a place to do it. Welcome back to the Apply Rigor Podcast. And it wouldn't be a normal podcast if I didn't have the man, the myth, the legend, Mario Lemieux, no, not Mario Lemieux, Dave Jones right next to me. Mario has way too much hair compared to what you have. Uh, it's awesome to be here. What a great day it is. <laughs> huh? Sit next to you again? We're here again? Yeah, we're, we're, we're still here. Wow. Which is awesome. But hey, you know, it's, uh, it's one of these things where as we continue to get together, we get to also have the opportunity to talk to amazing people every yes, single week. Yes, we have an amazing guest this morning, Gary Steffes. Gary is the man, the myth, the legend next... Not next to me. Next yes, to me. next to you. Yeah, so, uh, what a great friend he has been over the years. Uh, Gary, you know, has probably the most successful youth and junior hockey career on the planet today. Um, you know, hearing your story back in uh, Minnesota and talking to my son about that, that inspired me on so many levels, Gary. I'm so excited for you to be here. Um, Gary played, uh, had a, a D1 scholarship to Miami University. Um, played for Cedar Rapids in the USHL and has had a pretty awesome pro career. And so I am super pumped to have Gary on the show today to talk about your peaks and valleys and um, you know some of those some of those experiences and stories you have. Uh, welcome to the show, man. Yeah, welcome. Thank you, guys. Excited to be here and very honored. So let's uh, let's just start with uh, you know your background, where you grew up, and uh, you know talking about your youth hockey and and uh, what you've done. Yeah, so I grew up in Michigan and uh, got into hockey at a young age and um, just fell in love with it from, from being a kid. And um, I, I moved away from home at 16. I played hockey up in Canada, um, spent a couple years there, and then, uh, and then eventually got moved down to Cedar Rapids, Iowa, like you mentioned, and played 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 in the USHL, for those of you that know hockey. And um and then I went to college. So I, I, I had a journey, you know, growing up hockey. I was, I was always kind of in the shadows. I was just a blue collar kid that just kept working and working and working and working. And, and, and by God's grace, I got to climb the ladder mm -hmm. and found myself to be able to play pro hockey eventually. Yeah, it's awesome. You know, I, I'm, you know, right in the middle of, you know, my 12 year old and 14 year old and your son as well playing soccer of, yep. of navigating those peaks and valleys and development and uh, just just before we get into the the big peaks and the big valleys, talk about player development from a, from a player perspective, but um, also from like a parental perspective, if you can. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You know, uh, one of the first things that comes to my mind is is when you're young, there you find yourself, and every everybody's like, "Ah, oh, that kid's gonna make it," and this is the kid that's gonna be in the NHL, and he's the best player now. And 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 what you find is that. It, it's actually kind of surprising the guys that that make it uh, that make it through the cracks. Like like you, over time, you start to find out who which kids have it in their heart a, a little bit more, and which kids you know which kids want it a little bit more. And um, and I was I was part of that. I think when I was growing up, 
I was a guy in the shadows that nobody really, um, I didn't really have the spotlight on me as a kid and would always be behind a couple other guys. Now, now some of those guys made it. Some of those guys like Nathan Gerby, he used to play for the Carolina Hurricanes. You know, that's where you're at um, in Carolina. He, he, he was a guy who was phenomenal as a kid. And he just developed and pushed and set the standard. And so many guys followed and he made it all the way through. But then there's other guys that you, you just, they didn't. And and I was fortunate enough to be a guy that, that kind of climbed the ladder and just worked and, and wanted it. Um, and so I, I think, you know, for, for kids that are growing up and parents that are going through youth hockey, just understanding, understanding that uh, just because everybody counts you out when you're 12 doesn't mean that you, you're counted out. Like I didn't have my big spark until I turned 16. And, and at age 16, things turned and colleges started coming to watch. And all of a sudden, I found myself climbing the ladder of hockey and playing at the highest levels. What did your parents do for you to keep that that hardworking ethic and that heart there? Or is it something you think you were born with? Or did they provide a great atmosphere parents, for it? Yeah, I think it's probably a combination of both. I mean, my my parents were incredibly supportive. I knew that they they were all they never they, they never forced me to go to the rink. They never they never guilted me or or maybe feel shame if I didn't want to play or if I didn't want to work hard. Like they, like they were definitely disappointed if I didn't work hard because they were, they were spending so much time and money to do it. So they expected me to work, um, which was great character, you know, that they, they built into me, but they always, they always believed in me. They always supported me. They always pushed me, but they never ever forced me to play. And I think that just created such an environment for me to, to thrive in. Yeah, that's really the same thing. And I'm sure you're the same way, you know, as, as we have kids that are, growing up and are doing well and are playing at high levels that you know that my wife and i have had the exact same conversation is that if it comes ever to the point that there's a lack of love and a lack of passion they feel that we're requiring or forcing them to do it then if they want to do something else then let's do something else yeah because mm -hmm. you know your childhood is way too short mm -hmm. to make it feel like sports is a job you know, yeah. and it's that fire that needs to keep burning if you want to make it a reality after mm -hmm. you get done. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've got several over the years, several age USA hockey calls them age specific all stars. And mm -hmm. like there's actually a stat out there that says age specific 95% of all age specific all stars don't go on to play at higher levels. Yeah. In fact, they don't even go on to play because they they peak at such a at such a young age and then they get away with so many things at such a young age that they don't work so then the mm. field passes them up and they don't feel respected and loved because they don't get the attention anymore whereas now the kid like you're saying the the worker hard the blue collar kid who's constantly working looking at that edification that they're getting they want it they want it they want it but they don't peak until it really matters which is you know 16 17 in hockey and then you get the accolades and you keep going and that kind of thing. And that's, it sounds like that's, that's part of your story. Oh, for sure. I, you know, it's, it's really, it, it is interesting that they have an actual name for it, a specific all-stars, but I, I would totally agree. I think you're right. When kids peak and they get the spotlight at a young age, it's so hard to not become complacent. Yeah. I think it's one of the biggest things you struggle with when you hit a peak is, is that you want to just relax and you want to enjoy and you want to slow down and stop doing the things that maybe got you there. And, um, and for, for blue collar kids that are growing up, I, I think, I, I think you, they're definitely the ones that are not falling into that as much. They're not falling into the complacency and they're learning how to develop a good work ethic. So yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Dave. So when you're talking about applying rigor, run the, 
you know, the Ply Rigger podcast, you know, what, what would you say to that parent or even to that kid who's a 14 year old who is blue collar? Or what would you talk to the kid who is the age specific all-star? What would you tell him? Yeah, I would, I would just, I would say that you never, like, I would basically say, don't give up a hundred percent. Don't give up. Like just because, you know, kids around you are, are getting, getting the spotlight, they're getting agents, they're getting advisors, they're getting, they're getting people that, um, people that believe in them all around them. That doesn't like the best players eventually are going to make it. And if you keep developing and you just keep making strides one step at a time and keep pushing and keep working, there's, like I, I would say, don't don't write yourself off just be you know at such a young age. Yeah. And keep fighting, keep working, keep hoping. Don't lose that. And and I I got to I was a man that lived that. I was fortunate to live that. Yeah, that's good stuff. So let's talk about your highest peak right now, and let's just get into that part of the story, and then we'll move on to your lowest valley of you know your biggest struggle and and what got you through in the valley. Yeah. So my highest peak was uh, in my fifth season of professional hockey. Uh, I, I I got to come here to Allen, Texas, and be a part of the Allen Americans. They had won two championships in a row, and um, I, I was fortunate to to get signed for for that next season. That after they'd won their second championship, I was fortunate to get signed. They gave me a chance of a lifetime, and I came in and got to live live a dream. I I got to lead the entire ECHL in goals. Um, I got to, to be a second team all-star. I, I got to win a championship that year. I got to make it back to the American League, uh, which was my dream, was to climb the, climb the levels uh, and make it back. So um, I, I got to live just a dream come true of a year. You know? yeah. And uh, uh, my fifth year was definitely a peak in my life for sure, in my hockey career. How much of uh, you know, your faith uh, helped you with that? Oh, it was, it was central to so many things. So, you know, when we talk about peaks and valleys, the year before my fourth season was, was probably the biggest valley of my life, Mm. um, as a player. So I, I found myself, I found myself so discouraged in my fourth year, wanting to throw in the towel, starting to go through the motions uh, on so many levels and so many things. Like I, I wanted to play, I still wanted to play pro hockey, but I, I was so discouraged and distraught that I wasn't going to be able to make it back to the American League. I felt like my dream was crushed. That I just found myself, you know, working hard but working without passion, and and that was tough for me. And um, it was actually at a at a Hillsong concert uh, where I I just felt like I encountered God in such a unique way that that this fire was put back in my heart. I stepped back up. I started hoping again. Mm. I, I just. I felt like the Lord spoke a few things to me, and I walked out of that concert a completely new man after encountering the Lord and and, and just playing for Him and, and and stepping into that courageously in faith um, led into my fifth season where I had a chance to to live the biggest peak of my life, and I can just trace it totally back to to encountering the Lord. So He's God is central to my entire hockey career, um, but He was definitely central through that peak and valley experience. That is so cool. And I think there's there's some really cool things in that that yeah. I don't even think we've ever touched on. Yeah. You know, so talk to me about let's dig a little bit a little bit deeper. Talk to me about the importance of environment. Because again, I mean, we talk about we're very much about being a faith based, you know, podcast and the importance of God in our life, but you know, you are in the valley. And you end up choosing to put yourself in an environment at a Hillsong concert. Some people would be at church or in a group of people that maybe surround them. It's their small group at church or whatever. Talk to me about environment and how that played in helping propel you through that valley. 
Oh, it's huge. I, I, I think the people that you surround yourself around are, are is so vital to to your like with the things that you're thinking, the things that you're pursuing, the things that you know. If you want to, if you want to climb out of a valley, you got to surround yourself around people that are going to build you up and encourage you and inspire you. So having that team of people for sure was 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 crucial to be able to, to walk through a lot of that with but you know the Hillsong concert was was a part of it I mean it's inspiring to be able to go into listen to music but seeking God's presence and spending spending your life in God's presence there's no greater place to be like I I think the strongest place that any person could ever be in any valley they ever go through in their life is on their knees mm-hmm. it's in it's in you know it's with worship music playing it's in their Bible it's just spending time with the Lord where you know that you're you're loved and you're forgiven and you're new and and no matter what you're accepted, whether people around you reject you or they hate you or they, they, they you know, you're, you're failing and people think less of you, like you come into God's presence and, and you just, you know who you are. You know that you're forgiven and you're loved and you're chosen and, and you have life eternal because you believe in Christ. Like this is, this is the greatest place we can ever be and the greatest strengthening place you can be to get through a valley to keep enduring. Yeah, let's, let's pause for a second here and talk about performance based emotions <laughs> and yeah. so when you're when you're in that valley and your performance is not what you think it should be based on expectation you have these emotions and you get into this low ei or this 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 phase of like it's all about me and you're very self-centered um and then when you're on the valley or in the peak you know you have this performance based emotion say okay i'm high ei or my emotions i have a little bit of empathy you know, um, I'm feeling good about myself, you know, but, you know, the, in the world of peaks and valleys, when you're in a valley, guess what's coming next? The peak. And when you're in a peak, a valley's coming. And so our emotions, talk about your emotions and how you kept them in check to persevere to come to the peak. So what what motion did you feel like you were going to the most? Yeah. So when I was in the valley, I think one of the like the biggest emotions I felt um, it definitely my my go to. We've talked about this a lot, Dave. My my go to emotion in life is anger. Like yeah. if I get if I feel like I'm failing or if I feel like I'm um, not doing what I want to do, like my goal is being blocked. Like I get angry and I I have to fight. I have to fight against anger, kind of being the emotion that controls me and just not like not being led by it, but leading it myself. So when I was mm. in Bakersfield going through what I was going through, I found myself just wrestling anger. Um, I wanted to I wanted to uh, just be angry at Coach for, for putting me in the situation I was in. I wanted to be angry at um, myself. I wanted to be angry at the Lord for allowing me to go through what I was going through. And I just had to continue to fight to not let that control me. And, and surrender that. And um, there was a there was a pastor, Bob Froze is his name, old Philadelphia Flyer. I, I uh, <laughs> back in the day, he told me pastor that Grady. when you when you're going through um, when you're going through trial, the the three enemies of of perseverance is to buckle, bail, and blame. Mm. Um, is that you want to buckle and just cave under the pressure? You want to. Uh, you want to bail out of the situation and just get out of there, and then you want to blame others. And I, I wrestled all that. Those are all the emotions I felt when I was going through a valley. Is I wanted out. I wanted to get traded. I wanted to go ask for a trade. I wanted to to go and try to take matters into my own hands. I wanted to blame other people, and I had to just surrender to the Lord because I didn't feel the Lord was releasing me from from Bakersfield. And, and thankfully, looking back, I mean, it's a dream come true that I stayed. Uh, some of the people that I met through that experience and then some of the, the ways that that set me up for my experience in Allen. If I had tried to take matters into my own hands, I don't know that I would have been in Allen and get to live the experience I did spend three or four years there. And 
in the end get my jersey retired and have have you know a family here in Dallas where I find myself living now. This message of buckle, uh, bail, and blame, I'll never ever forget. So we ran this the in all we were in Ogden, Utah. There's probably about fifty college and pro players there, and we started like six thousand feet and ran to about eight thousand feet, and there was a little kind of a plateau in the middle. And we're running up this hill, and like the top third athletes, like they got up there like in thirty minutes. The next tier was like forty-five minutes to an hour. The last tier was like an hour and a half. This it was the worst <laughs> run that you could ever do, man. It was so painful. My calves locked. I was in the bottom tier of the bottom third, and we get up there, and Gary does this unbelievable message on buckle bail and blame i'll never forget it man because i wanted to do all of it running up that hill it was so hard and gary gary's like a goat man he just runs up that hill it was like he was up there in 30 minutes had to wait an hour for everybody to get up there and craft this message it was awesome exactly. he had an hour to write it he, he was watching you struggle <laughs> oh my god it was terrible that hill was terrible uh, that's funny yeah it was definitely a beast for sure yeah and then our good buddy ron cool ron couldn't get up the hill and like i have this picture of gary just just delivering this amazing message and everybody's listening and ron cool is looking the other way because he's he's doing all of it he's buckling blaming and <laughs> he can't even listen he can't even point. listen it's awesome yeah <laughs> it's yeah, so I heard that I heard that message years ago, and it was just so it was so practical to me, and um, and in just the the benefits if we can fight, no matter what valley we're going through, whether it's athletics, whether it's business, whether it's stuff with our family and different things, if we can just fight to not buckle from the situation, if we can fight to not bail, and if we can fight to not blame others, uh, like we we will we will endure well. That's awesome. Well, as we wind down here, I got two things uh, to ask you. One, um, what encouragement can you give people that are in the valley right now that are listening to this? I, I think based on our conversation, uh, first, don't lose hope. Um, lose hope. I mean that that you start going through the motions and you just become a person doing things without passion, like. You can't, you can't lose passion. You can't lose hope. You got to fight for that. And, and with all the courage in your life, everything you got, just find a way to keep hoping and keep dreaming and keep, keep fighting for your vision and fighting to, fighting to accomplish your dream, even if you think it's impossible. And the second thing would be that I would encourage you never to buckle, bail, or blame. Like, awesome. Persevere well. That would be awesome. my encouragement. Awesome. And last, you just wrote a book, man. Tell us about your book <laughs> and where we can buy it. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I in October 2016, I felt the Lord put on my heart that I needed to kind of put put this book together, and it's a book to Christian athletes about how they can win in their heart and their mind for Christ. It deals with the mental side to the game, everything that I learned through my career stories and different different principles and things I learned about how to just win in your heart and your mind against lies and fears and doubts and anxieties and, and comparison traps and jealousy and and, and the the times where you have to persevere and how do you handle peer pressure. Um, so many of these things, I tried to make a practical resource where, where athletes can take this and use it, not just read it once and put it on a shelf, but use it continuously uh, to be able to help them win, you know, with confidence and win with um, consistency in their games. And, 
and, and Christ is right at the center of it. So that's my book. I'm excited. Awesome. And where can we go buy it? Oh, so it's going to be up. Uh, it's going to be up on Amazon. It is going to be up. We're developing the website right now. It is going to be launched here at the end of May, okay. uh, May 31st, 2019. It's All officially right. going to be launched, but there'll be pre-sale stuff happening. So yeah, it's going to be up on Amazon here soon. What's it called? Awesome. The mental side. The mental side. Yes. So right. excited about that. It's called the mental side. Cool. All right. Well, awesome, man. Thanks for being on the podcast today and uh, really appreciate you. Love you, man. Thank you so much for yeah, having me. Honored, yeah. guys. All right. Man, what a what a cool nugget to grab today, right? This idea of these three Bs, man, right? Buckle, bail, and blame. So as so as you take this and as you move forward into this next week, grab onto that. And as if you're in the valley, figure out, are you doing that? Ask yourself some tough questions. And if you are brave enough, ask somebody who's closest to you those questions and say, Hey, where do I typically land in some of this? What do you see me do? So I want to encourage you, I know Dave does too. To take what you're learning, to push it, to get to another level, and I promise you that as you do, a peak is coming if you're in the valley. And if you are on the peak, just remember, a valley's on its way. Mm -hmm. So be prepared. Be mentally prepared, emotionally prepared, spiritually and physically prepared. And so as you move forward this week, do what we always encourage you to do and go apply some rigor. Take care. Take care.